Get out of my pub. Get out of my pub right now! I'm not going anywhere. Welcome to Gow on my pod. I'm Una. I'm Nav. How's it going, Nav? Yeah, good. Good, you know. Nice uh, week of EastEnders to, to review. And, you know, life is life right now. Nothing new, nothing bad, nothing good. You know, we're indoors. It is what it is. How are you? Uh, yeah, fine. Alive, living, equally nothing exciting has happened, good or bad. So I feel like that's a win for 2021. A huge blessing i also had a on friday night as a little treat to myself i had a bath and i watched eastenders in the bath so that was lovely lovely there were candles there was a bath bomb oh nice nice what kind of uh scents are we working with here um it was a candy cane scent which i wouldn't normally be into but it had like um it was a cbd bath bomb oh very good very you know forward and therapeutic nice yeah self-care Modern self-care. I, I, I'm very much in favour of the, the medicinal benefits of, of CBD. Do they work in a bath bomb, though? I don't know. I felt really relaxed, but like I don't really have baths, so I couldn't generally. I'm not really a bath person normally, so I couldn't really like tell the difference between a normal bath and a CBD bath. But, I mean, this is very opt- off topic off topic for this podcast, but I do use CBD-infused tampons each month, and... That definitely makes a difference. So I highly recommend it to anyone listening. I feel like that has more a more intuitive scientific basis than a bath bomb. But anyway, tweet us with your CBD <laughs> comments and uh, tips and we'll get on with chatting about EastEnders. Yeah, I guess we should probably talk about EastEnders. Um, big news this week, potentially. Well, yeah. I mean, Una, Una surprised me with this news before the podcast, so I'm still reeling. But yeah, tell, tell the views. This actually warrants a spoiler uh, alert. Yeah, I guess it is a spoiler alert. It was reported in The Sun, I think. Okay, um, true. But so, unconfirmed at the moment, but The Sun has reported this week that Maisie Smith is leaving EastEnders. Oh, my days. Uh, oh, what, no. what are the details? What are they saying? Um, apparently, I mean, and it's totally one of those, I mean, fuck the sun, obviously, like it's a rag full of bullshit. Right. Um, but you know, might be true, who knows? But according to the sun, sources close to Maisie say that she's seen the success that, um, Himesh Patel and Ben, what's his name? Old Peter. Have oh had, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and is going to pursue, uh, working in film. Which is like, you know, the way the story is written is ridiculous. They don't name anyone or quote anyone. There's no confirmation from Maisie. But she she is extremely talented. She's obviously kind of like propelled her fame to new levels with going on Strictly. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is true. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the way that newspaper, which I won't name again, does its journalism, I think is a lot of kind of throwing darts at a dartboard. And a story about a talented actor possibly leaving to pursue other opportunities is a possibility, is a possibility. And it, it maybe it might happen anytime soon, um, sometime soon. But um, I think it will be more coincidence than, than <laughs> having, an, you know, having an implied coup. But, uh, yeah, I mean, go. if I worked for like some celebrity column, I would, yeah, I probably would just run with that story. In the like, right. it's relatively predictable that like someone goes on strictly. She's kind of um, 
obviously like been on EastEnders throughout her whole childhood. She's like really well recognized as one of the best actors on the show. And like, she's just kind of like, yeah, reaching adulthood and the point at which you, your career could really take off if you chose to leave EastEnders. So yeah, yeah. probably like a, a pretty safe bet, but let's wait and see. Obviously a massive loss to the show. That'd be very sad. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to process it as a loss right now because uh, <laughs> in my head she's still there and she's not going anywhere. Um, but talking of an actor who's had success off the square, we got a bit of uh, exciting news on uh, on one of our favourite EastEnders actors, didn't we? Yeah. So Three Non Blondes, the show that Kim, what's her name, Tamika Epsom, used to be on in was it like in the nineties or something? I've never seen it. You were the one who told me about this show. It was the like early noughties and it right. was like the kind of original BBC Three. I think it might have been called BBC Three or maybe like BBC Choice or something like that right. at the time. Yeah. Um, so they're releasing it on Netflix. Incredible. Absolutely incredible and so well deserved. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, I was going to get rid of my Netflix subscription because I never watch anything, but maybe I'll keep it now just so I can see Three Non Blondes. Everybody should not only keep their subscription, subscribe if you don't have it, because uh, <laughs> it is a, a show well worth watching. Did you watch like the the trailer for the for the Netflix uh, a release? Yeah, I did watch the little video of them all chatting, and it made me quite excited about seeing the show. Absolutely brilliant! Wanna, we want to see want to see more of that. Um, so we also had uh, some tweets from a fan this week. Welcome, Tim Buchanan, to the Get Out of My Pod fan club. Uh, Tim Buchanan says, loving the podcast from Melbourne, Australia. Thanks, Tim. Love to hear that. Um, he says, Phil is the head of the square and should remain so. Not the first person to say that. I've had other fans um, not happy with my stance that Phil needs to go. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim says he wants to see a storyline with Jay and Phil as they are rarely seen together anymore and their relationship has a unique dynamic. What do you think about that, Nav? I think it's great. And I don't think, you know, to, to, for the listeners, Una and I aren't exactly on the same page when it comes to Phil leaving. I think we're both generally on the same page with regards to, you know, somebody needs to take up the, the mantle that he's occupied for a long time. I'm happy for him to stick around. Um, you, you're probably fine if you fucked off. <laughs> Yeah, either way, I'm I yeah, I just sort of like him being head gangster of the square is got a little bit old for me and I feel like the storylines I feel like they've kind of like rinsed all the storylines they can do with Phil. I totally agree that he is an iconic character and you know Phil in the 90s um and and the early 2000s as well has just been like yeah, an incredible character. I just kind of think it's done now. Yeah, and also as much as I wouldn't want EastEnders to, uh, you know, completely immerse itself in kind of modern life and like all the issues of living in like a borough in London. Um, there is something a little bit like archaic about the idea of there being a head of the square. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe we need to shake that up a little bit that, there, you know, there shouldn't be a single person who in the scheme of like where London is these days, he's not that wealthy. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> so, you know, like, you know, let him do his thing, but like, you know, add a little bit of realism as to what might be happening in a in a London square in, in 2021. Yeah. Well, Tim also said that he's got a feeling the next relationship will be Phil and Kat. Which I think one of us, I think you flagged, right, as a possibility. 
I can't remember if I did, but I have seen kind of like rumblings of it um, among the fandom on Twitter. Like quite a few people have have seen that they think this is going to be like the next thing. What What are you? What? How would you feel about that? I think it could work. Yeah, if it was done right, I think that it potentially could work. I mean, Cat, we know she has made some bad choices. <laughs> in the past with men so it wouldn't be like out of the question yeah i agree i've i really like their their dynamic and how they've written their their interactions where she's really kind of brazen and bold uh and he seems to take it more though more so than he would with with other characters so yeah you know there's something brewing there as to whether it would then translate into like an actual proper relationship i don't know but a uh you know a steamy affair might work yeah, I feel like it'd be a little bit like when she used to uh, go out with Derek. That was, no, no. It's got to be better than that. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, well, I don't know if the writers uh, thought it was that funny in the end because they killed him off pretty abruptly, right? Yeah, they did. They did. I guess they just didn't know what to do with it. They didn't, it worked as like the mystery, like who's cat having an affair with and like the reveal was really good. But after that, it was a bit like... Okay, where's this going? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and actually, I think the difference now is that Kat and Phil are maybe in the right places for like it, this to happen, like in a slightly natural way, yeah. more so than Derek and Kat happened. Yeah, I could see it. You know, like there's something, I don't know, like I can see why Kat would be a little bit drawn to Phil. I can certainly see why Phil would be drawn to Kat. Like she's got some similarities with Shirley. The kind of that kind of bullshiness that Phil seems to find impressive. Well, talking of uh, seeing into the future, shall we uh, talk about our predictions? Let's talk about our predictions. What was your prediction, Nav? Mine was around the uh, the poisoning storyline that it would yes. become slightly derailed and it would culminate in a confrontation between Ian and Sharon. Obviously, that didn't happen uh, in the last week. But I'm more confident that it's it's coming probably next next week now. Yeah, I agree. I think that that probably is coming, and I'm a little bit worried that like Ian's gonna win. <laughs> what does what does winning look like for Ian? Like he'll do something really sneaky and like totally swindle Sharon out of the Vic and just like leave her. Like what I'm worried will happen is like Sharon will be left penniless and alone and taken in by phil again that's interesting that's interesting i didn't have that as a a kind of possibility within the different scenarios that i played out because the way i see ian like in this storyline is that he does feel guilty about denny otherwise he wouldn't have gone to such lengths to cover it up so like in a confrontation between him and sharon he might be initially angry that she's tried to kill him but i think eventually like he would lose like the kind of the kind of self righteousness in that situation once they start discussing Denny's death and what have you. Even though I think we both agree he didn't kill Denny, um, <laughs> but I think they would play it out that like he's got something to feel bad about and he'd leave with his like tail between his legs. Yeah, I mean he's just a scumbag though, isn't he? I think <laughs> I just I just worry that he he'll go down like the full on Ian route of just like getting everything he can out of the situation. And somehow maintaining the moral high ground. Well, let's see. Let's see. We might discuss it a little more as we, as yeah. we get into the episode. But uh, what was your prediction? Uh, my prediction, 
didn't happen this week, although I think there were like steps building towards it. Uh, It was that Frankie and Ben will become best mates and Frankie will support him through a near breakup with Callum. I feel like all the groundwork for that is being laid right now. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Do you think when Frankie was first introduced as the kind of, you know, storyline to move Ben's hearing loss storyline forward, do you think they had it in their mind that she would be part of this this Carter storyline? Or do you think, you know, people saw how popular she was and they kind of invented the storyline? Oh, I don't know, actually. I'm trying to remember how long it was in between her being introduced as, like, um, Ben's, like, wise deaf leader um, and her sort of turning out to be Mick's daughter. Did that happen? Like, did lockdown happen in between those two things? I think it did, yeah. I think it did because um, the last scene I think we saw before the hiatus was uh, Ben collapsing um, because he'd kind of refused to get the surgery. And then I think the first thing we saw when he came back is that he decided to have it, right, or something like that? Yeah, okay. So they could have like come up with that kind of during the lockdown period or during the pause in filming. Right, right. And to be honest, it was probably a reaction to kind of how you described like her character just now in that you know often like characters like that are kind of introduced as like a prop or like as you say like yeah. you know, to provide wisdom uh and so maybe they were like uh this is a little bit problematic so and also she's a really great actor so why wouldn't we have her like yeah term? i think it's a great decision to keep her on i'm really happy about it Way more scenes of Frankie and Ben and less of Ben and Callum, please. <laughs> yes, so much more entertaining. Oh my God. <laughs> I also really like Callum as well. And I know all the cop stuff that we talked about, but I would just love to see him not around Ben and vice versa with Ben and, you know, around Callum. Yeah, he just doesn't have much of a personality anymore. Like, I did used to really like his personality, especially when he first came on the square and, like, he was sort of a bit more hapless i guess but quite sweet yeah it'd be nice if we got to see like some more interesting sides of him right we miss we miss halfway bring halfway back yeah yeah bring back halfway (laughs) um so let's get into the storylines where where should we start can we talk about the poisoning okay i feel like you've got thoughts give me your thoughts una (laughs) what like what the hell is going on I've got a lot of thoughts. What is Sharon's plan? Like, is she is she just going to like slowly... If she wants to kill him, why does she not just kill him? Why is it this like very slow poisoning situation? The, the slowness of it, I can't entirely explain. But I think the kind of general theory behind what she's doing is that she wants it to appear as a suicide... So what I'm wondering, and I think we did get some dialogue that kind of like spoke to this like a couple of weeks back. And obviously there was his doctor's visit in the last week where she yeah. brought it up as being kind of psychosomatic as opposed yeah, to like ridiculous. Actual, right? Yeah, right. And really just not what Sharon would do. But anyway, let's put that to one side. But I think the I, the plan is, is that what she wants to, to pass what's going on with Ian right now off is as like depression. And that would then culminate in in, a, in his suicide. I feel like that would be more believable if he hadn't recently had a very serious head injury. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bit like, is it not more like if you have a really really serious head injury and then you go to the doctor and you're like, I've been passing out. Would they not be a bit more concerned? I guess 
I guess maybe the the one reason they might not be is if they they just didn't see anything like this coming in his prognosis. Like when they discharged him, yeah, they just assumed that nothing else would come up. But you're right, and you know, in some respects, he's 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 supposed to be getting tests, right? So it's not like they've completely disregarded that. True. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, you know, it, it is it is working out too easily for Sharon at the moment. A little bit, a little bit. But Max is onto her. I really like that scene of Max and, and Ian having a chat. And I'm glad they didn't play it as like Ian, you know, completely losing his shit at that, the idea. Like, how how did you see it? Um, I thought it was a bit odd. Like, I found the dialogue in it just a bit strange and awkward. Um, actually, should we listen to a little bit of it? Let's do it. We're not different, Ian. Well, thanks for your concern, Max, but Sharon loves me very much, okay? We've been through a hard time. Yeah, well, I thought the same about Linda. The two don't compare. Look, that weren't just another affair, all right? I actually loved her. Good for you. So it's been good, yeah? You two, up here, married, so they're just mates. Yeah, yeah. Have you actually slept together? It's only your business. Right, yeah. She's probably waiting then she to the, you know, the honeymoon. What she told the doctor you had booked. Was it Spain, Portugal? Oh, is it some sort of joke? Open your eyes here, right? She's looking after you and you're getting worse. So believe me or don't. I wouldn't be accepting a good night cocoa if I were you. I I really like that. Yeah, on second listening, it's definitely, it is actually quite funny. I just found like the weird, I don't know, like Max mentioning Linda. I just all felt a little bit like awkward and strange to me. And I was sort of like, I feel like there's a bit of a leap between hearing Sharon cancel the blood tests and then deciding that Sharon is poisoning Ian. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I was probably too quick to get on board with it. Um, it, it didn't feel as jarring to me as, like, say, you know, Tina figuring out, like, Grey's, <laughs> yeah. you know, Grey murdered Chantel. Um, but um, where where did the initial suspicion come from? It didn't come from the test. It came from before then, right? There was another scene that I can't remember. Oh, really? I thought it was just that he'd overheard the tests, that her counseling tests and been like, oh, she must be poisoning him. No, there was a scene before that that planted the seed where he was sitting at the table with Jack. Yeah, but they just saw him pass out. Yeah, I guess they saw him pass out and then they said, Sharon said, just told him to like go back to bed. Which again, I just feel like, how do you get from that to like, oh, Sharon, it must be slowly poisoning him to death? Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, is, it is quite a large, a large leap. But um, it's weird how I kind of, you're completely right, but like I don't know if it's my kind of you know sympathetic like reading of the, of the characters that means that I was just willing to get on board with it. Yeah, it was quite. I was glad to see like Max back involved, and it was quite entertaining to like see him deliver that news to Ian. Also, I think that was some of the best acting we've seen from Adam Wood yet in in ages. It just <laughs> felt it felt like within his comfort zone of like when. He's kind of believable. Some of the some of the scenes like in the last few weeks have been a bit excruciating for me. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think maybe him playing an ill person is like not the easiest thing <laughs> to do. <laughs> also, do you not think he's always had in the back of his mind that something was a bit off about Sharon, like agreeing to marry him as much as like he obviously asked her. Um, but I feel like he, he was ready to get on board with what Max said. Uh, even though, you know, he resisted a little bit, but I think, you know, he, he he thinks it might be true now because he kind of knows that, like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, because he knew that she she agreed to marry him out of, well, he viewed it as her doing it out of sympathy because she and he thought that he was going to die very soon. And right. then he offered, I think, to get an annulment, right? Yeah, I And think she was so, like, right. no, I love you. Right, right. Yeah, so that yeah, it does kind of make sense. I guess the only thing I'm questioning is Max just like figuring out everything all in one go, but whatever, that's fine. Max is clever. <laughs> also, I, I, you know, and then we can leave this here. Like, if this is how Max is leaving, I've always said this is how I want it to be, where like, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, bridge building, like healing some wounds, like, you know, just leaving in a way that kind of, you know, little bit of closure. Because him and, Ian did have a friendship, like yeah, in, in some respect. that is true. So yeah, and we got the allusion to them being family as well. That Max is like, oh, I want you around for Louis. Yeah, although who isn't family on the square, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I feel like you can do that in every conversation, but uh, fine. Yeah. <laughs> um. So linked this storyline, obviously, Dotty came back this week. Okay, I was about to do away, but I don't know how your your kind of feelings of of Dottie uh, have they changed? Are they the same? I don't get her. I don't understand her character. Like she doesn't really have any proper mates. She doesn't have any family on the square anymore. I don't understand what her motivations are. I don't understand what she does day to day. Like I just don't think they've ever made a decision about like what the hell Dottie's character is about. So all of the things you've kind of talked about there for me like are like, you know, why is Dotty there? Totally get that. And what does Dotty do? Well, do you think though, like, you know, when they were writing like the profile of, of Dotty, do you think there's an interesting character that if they built some better links to the square, you would be more interested in her? Or do you just blanket not? No, get I'm the all for the like concept of Dot Cotton's granddaughter being a fixture on the square totally for that and like if they'd done it well it could have been like could have softened the blow of june brown leaving without like a fanfare but it's just i think it's been a mess i think yeah i don't think she's ever gonna be like seen as somebody continuing on in that legacy that june brown has left off and i think that's partly the kind of you know decision of june brown to leave and he's tend to screw up and not anticipating that and doing a leaving because i feel like you could have built that in a way that once June Brown left, Dottie was like, you know, continuing that family like line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't entirely like, you know, put that that on well, I don't know who I'd put that on, but you know what I mean? Like it's not really her fault. But I, I like her as a character, even if she even if she had nothing to do with with Dot. You just wanted to like float around being a dickhead to everyone for no reason. But she she told Sharon what was up. So, you know, she's not <laughs> yeah, entirely she a did, but like what yeah, she did, and that's very noble, but like why does she even really give a shit? Like why is she so invested in this? 
Do you know, the way I read her character is somebody who uh, wants to be a better person, um, but uh, she hasn't, you know, had the kind of influences around her to do that. So, you know, she's finding herself and I find the the journey of her finding herself quite interesting. Okay, great. <laughs> Let's wait and see. If she finds herself a bit more, then maybe maybe I'll get into her. Um, okay, all right. We can leave Dottie there. What did you think of her incredibly quiet house party? <laughs> I think EastEnders had been smashing it on like the COVID front in terms of making things seem more busy. Yeah. But uh, I guess like a house party, you just need actual numbers of people and they were just never going to be able to do that. No, <laughs> it was quite funny. Um, yeah, I just it just always makes me laugh like the way they do parties in EastEnders. It's always like, it's always a weeknight for a start. And then, yeah, they have to lower the volume enough so you can like hear everyone speaking. Do you know what's a blessing though is that we didn't get you know a character collapsing from a, a you know a, a drugs overdose? <laughs> I mean, thank God for that. Yeah. By the way, where's Bobby actually? On which note? Oh yeah, we haven't seen Bobby in ages, have we? It's so weird at the moment. Like characters just disappear for ages, and I guess it's the shorter episodes and the kind of COVID recording. But um, you know, yeah, he's gone. Yeah, and also, like, what happened to all the stuff where, like, all the money from his foundation got stolen? Yeah, you know, we're, we're supposed to move on. Move on, Una. All right, move okay. Well, that's fine. Let's move on. <laughs> so, at the incredibly quiet party, we saw Ash pretty wasted and basically being a total dickhead to Ikra. Are you, are you, is that a good thing in your books, given your feelings about Ikra or? <laughs> Ash is another one. I'm sorry, but I just don't really understand what her character's about. Um, yeah, I think so do you, we've both said do you, this. We don't really understand like where she's coming from and that like obviously her character, she kind of came on as being the person who was like, didn't want anything to do with her family, like thought her mum was really immoral and then like completely dropped that stance for no apparent reason. Um, and now is kind of like just acting out a lot and we don't really know why. Yeah, it's not that interesting. And also, I'm a bit pissed off about it, to be honest, because I think uh, I don't want to go overboard with the, you know, like, oh, the, the characters of color and what have you, but make an effort. Like, do you know what I mean? In terms of writing stories that are going to keep us interested, give them something big and juicy to work with. Yeah. I don't think Ikra and Ash have had anything. They've been you know, adjuncts to like other storylines, but I yeah. don't think they've had their own their own storyline at all, really. No, they really haven't. And this one kind of looked like it was going to be a storyline, which, as I've mentioned before, I was not happy about because it was kind of leading us towards Ash and Peter getting together, which right. is right. quite annoying for reasons that we've discussed before. But, right. oh my God, curveball, Suki and Peter. You think Suki and Peter? Do you not think Suki's trying to get Peter with Ash so that Ash stops being a lesbian? Sorry, is that not what happened? Did they not sleep together? Have I have I just missed an entire scene? Should we listen to it? <laughs> oh my god, this is the problem, guys. Is that like you look at your phone for five seconds in a twenty-minute episode and you miss an entire scene? This is I so mean, embarrassing. Now that you're saying this, it's making me think: Have I just assumed something that didn't actually happen? But I feel like it did happen. Like, let's listen to the clip. All right. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail, right? So. You like my daughter then, do you? I don't think the feeling's mutual. 
She's a very high opinion of herself, that one. Even for a mother, it grates. Tough day? Just a date. <laughs> Doesn't dry up after 40, you know. How was it? Well, I'm sitting here talking to you instead of lying under him. So what does that tell you? Well, more fool him. Because personally, I can see exactly where Ash gets her looks from. And her mouth. You want to see how well I use it? All those years. You've been. I think I know what happened, Una. What happened? I think I just blocked it out. Because <laughs> uh... it's too horrendous. Oh my day. Did that go out before the watershed? That was absolute filth. Yeah, totally filthy. Um, do you know what? I was, I'm into it. Suki, Suki and Peter. Yeah. I, to be honest, because I literally don't remember the scene, I, I may <laughs> have been so into it. That's so funny now. <laughs> I think because I was like bracing for Ash and Peter to happen and I was already just really annoyed about it because like they just don't have any like real lesbians on EastEnders. It's like EastEnders doesn't think lesbians exist. It was <laughs> inevitably just go and sleep with a man. Um, <laughs> And so, like, when they twisted it and it was, like, Suki and Peter instead, I was like, oh, yeah. Um, but I think what's a bit annoying about it is that Ash does still seem to fancy Peter. Yeah, so the, obviously the storyline they're going for is uh, Ash is going to feel a betrayal because her mum is shagging her crush. Yeah, yeah. And also it does look like Suki is basically shagging Peter just to annoy Ash, which is quite funny. Well, you know, fair play. And I think it kind of... And I'm glad that, you know, they've you know, added this kind of component to, to Suki that um, she has a sex life. She has, you know, yeah. a romantic life, right? right. Yeah, I, putting aside how I feel about the like Ash fancying Pia thing, um, I actually really like it as a storyline. Let's do it. Let's see what happens. This might be what redeems Peter in our eyes. Maybe, yeah. Or maybe it could redeem Suki. Like maybe she will develop some genuine feelings for Peter and we'll see like a non-villain side of her. I really hope not. <laughs> you don't want Peter to like be the thing to add that the extra dimension to her character. I don't know if it's the way that I've just kind of been socialized to like these kind of like age gap relationships like and and the kind of gender roles that that are kind of mm. in in this dynamic but like you always think of it, you know, if you think of Shianu yeah. as, you know, Keanu being the one who got a little bit kind of lovesick. Mm-hmm. Um so it's I know I know Sharon also did so maybe that's not a good comparison but I just can't imagine in my head that Suki would do the kind of chasing in this kind of situation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's more likely that it will be like a short-lived affair that, and, and then the story focuses on like the rift between Suki and Ash. She is, like, what, the way she does her kids, like, bloody <laughs> hell. I love her. Um, just on the topic of Peter and the Panasars, I want to mention a tweet that I came across this week that made me laugh a lot. Um, it's from at Jedizula, Jedi Zula. Don't know how you say that, but anyway, <laughs> just said once again. I'm asking if EE will ever explain the Peter Kira thing. Oh my god! Yeah, right, right. What, what were that? they doing? What, what was that? What We've doing? got no idea. Maybe that'll come back. Maybe that'll come back through the Suki storyline. Who knows? I think we we are very forgiving as an EastEnders fandom. They literally, we've decided. Okay, fine. Sonia's decided to not find her dad. <laughs> you know, we, we've we've let go of a lot of things, but you 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 know you've only got so much license to do that, guys. Yeah, 
<laughs> so a lot of loose ends at the moment. Um, so another person who was at Dot Eats party was Jean. Oh, Jean. She's, uh, you know, she's found herself in this situation. She hasn't got a diagnosis or a prognosis. Um, so what do you take to her, like, deciding to, you know, live out her, her end of life? I want to know what her end of life dream is, because she obviously is, like, preparing to leave, sounded like. Um, and I was wondering, is she going to go and, like, stay in that caravan again? Because <laughs> that's what she did last time. <laughs> but the thing, do you think she's actually got a terminal illness? No, I think that she does not have cancer. Yeah, okay. I think so, the result's going to come back and she's not going to have cancer. I, I'm not so sure, to be honest. Like, I, I feel like they could be setting us up for like a really sad departure this year. Oh my God. We can't lose Jean and Maisie Smith in one year. I, th- I don't think we're going to lose Maisie Smith, by the way. But uh, <laughs> I, do th- I do think we may be... We may be about to lose Jean. Oh my God. Um, yeah, I really, I kind of, I guess the way I saw it, because obviously she went to the doctor, she left before kind of even discussing her results or anything. So I sort of feel like she's just going to get it back and not have cancer. But I don't know where she's going to go in between. I don't know, maybe to visit Bex in India. <laughs> now that mine can't go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She'll have his ticket. Yeah. But I did love seeing so much of Jean this week. And also, because we discussed last week about whether she was going to kind of go a bit manic again and have a bit of an episode with her bipolar. Um, And I was like not really keen on that cycle happening again. It looks like they're not really doing that. Yeah, I loved what they did with Jean in, in the last week. As to like whether it's based on, you know, something that is actually happening to the character. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, yeah, we don't know if she's actually ill. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I'm glad they haven't played it as her kind of, you know, spiraling out of control. Yeah, I also sort of love it when like Jean gives everyone advice. Like she has these weeks sometimes where she's just really wise and she goes around like just giving people advice. And we had like that nice moment with her and Ikra and also her right. her kind of like talking Cherie into going to the hospital and, and supporting Patrick. That was lovely. Well, maybe that's a good place to pivot to then, the, the Sharia, uh, Cherie and, and Patrick storyline. Oh, I, it was so nice to see so much of Cherie this week and actually made me think her acting style, I think, is quite similar to Rudolph Walker. And like, they're both very expressive. Right. Yeah, they're, they're a brilliant match. And mm. uh, as you say, in a lot of respects, we just haven't got to see it. Um, so, yeah, I'm really here for it. And also, as much as we were saying, like, we, we would, you know, like Rudolph Walker to be safe, I'm quite glad that he's still around. Yeah, they haven't. We were thinking, oh, the stroke's a way to just like get him off screen for a bit, keep him safe while cases numbers are high and lockdowns in place. But no, it doesn't look like they're doing that at all. It's actually like quite an in-depth storyline for him, seems like. What do you make of uh, Isaac's uh, doting son uh, turn? I think it's lovely. I think it's lovely. Do you not think, though, they've not really built up to it at all? <laughs> I mean, I guess we kind of like uh, pre-lockdown, like back in... I don't know, May, June or something? When did he find oh, out? I think it was it was some of the last scenes and the last scenes were in June. I feel like for me, it's it's enough time for him to have come around and like he obviously, you know, misses his like original dad, not his not Patrick um, and has mm. a big attachment to that. So kind of for me, it's enough time for him to have like shifted and reattached himself to this new father figure. 
Yeah, agreed. And I think, as you say, like, well, okay, not necessarily agreed with regards to like how it's got here, mm. um, but agreed that I'm glad it's got here. I feel like they could have made a little bit of an effort, like because you know I still think back to that scene, you know, the first like few episode of Patrick's return, uh, him sitting in the pub having a good old laugh with Kim, uh, and then Denise turns up, and then Isaac is literally sat at a table by himself in the background. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's been some like funny stuff going on with the social distancing that has, yeah, has made some of this stuff a little bit weird. <laughs> Fair enough. Fine, fine. But we, I think, we forgive it. We forgive for it. me, like fine. the conversations between Isaac and Shuri were really nice this week and kind of like built up a little bit of depth there, enough for me to find this believable. Well, yeah, I think uh, where it is now like, is a really good place to build from. We want to. We want to see more of it. We've also got the mystery of Isaac's, is it an illness that he's alluding to? Was he not just pretending to get off work? Was this the migraine you're talking about? No, this is it. Nav, you have not been concentrating this week. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie. I am now genuinely concerned. I missed a whole episode, but, you know, there we go. <laughs> maybe you did. There was a scene with Isaac and Cherie, I think in Thursday's episode, maybe in Friday's episode. Oh, okay. You know, I do know. I do remember this. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> where, you know, they're talking about how like Patrick needs someone, needs his family and like needs a partner to support him through his illness. And then Isaac was like, well, who's going to support me through mine? Yeah. No, I do remember this. Listeners, don't unsubscribe to the podcast one of those doesn't bother to watch eastenders <laughs> look you know it's they they show a lot of eastenders it's not it's not as the easiest but There's a lot like, of episodes and we're both very old and tired oh, tell me about it and aged quite significantly in the last mm-hmm, year like, like yeah all of us have. but um <laughs> no i do remember this scene they were both sitting in denise's lounge true yeah i just wanted to let everybody know that i remember what <laughs> <laughs> on at the time i remember isaac saying this um but yeah i think there is that it was alluding to something and um i hope it's not something really awful because i'm not sure i can deal with it oh i think it's i would like to see isaac have a really serious storyline like we've talked about this and also i think it would go some way to like explaining the different sides of his character because he kind of came in as this like bit of a lad kind of a dick to a lot of people um and he's got like he seems to be a bit of an alcoholic as well he's also like a really great teacher and he loves like supporting kids um and some of the like erratic behavior might or even the fact that he like came back onto the square well not back onto the square but like came back into Shree's life um a bit out of the blue all of that would tie up quite nicely with him kind of maybe relatively recently having been like diagnosed with a long-term serious illness. You know who I think would really help in terms of like making this storyline super interesting? Who? Lola. I yes. They need to get him with Lola. It needs to, I want to see some like really great dialogue between the two of them as he like holds back she tries to get it out of him yeah um you know they support each other through through their situations and yeah i just think they need to make this happen now yeah i totally agree who's gonna support you isaac lola is yes (laughs) do it do it uh well talking of the uh the fox family and the extended fox family we got a bit more of the uh, the Lucas storyline. Oh my god, I don't know what's going on. 
I don't know what's going on. I, it was quite interesting. I mean, we've chatted about the idea that like Chelsea is actually taking revenge. And we even talked about the idea of like maybe Denise will get to the point where like she will try to stop Chelsea from taking revenge. And we did felt like we got a little bit of a glimpse of like Denise and Lucas kind of building bridges. Right. And I'm thinking like, where is that going? Like, is it with a view to them doing like a parental intervention once they, oh God, they maybe. find out? Yeah. Do you know what? If you said to me a few weeks ago, like a little while before Christmas, that like Lucas is going to come back and like him and Denise are going to like build bridges as parents and intervene on Chelsea's life, I would have been like, fuck off. They can't do this storyline. <laughs> but actually... I feel like it's kind of working for me. Yeah, and I think we did also say a couple of weeks back that good actors and decent dialogue can let you like forgive the slightly fantastical elements of this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, um all of the kind of characters involved in this like qualify for for that. Um and you know, in some respects as well as much as like the listeners might not agree with this. Um you can do stuff as horrific as Lucas has done and that not to be like a permanent part of your character. Like as in, it, we don't need to like see him continuing to kill people. Like it could be the case that he's not the person who does that kind of stuff like anymore. Yeah, I think it could be the case. And like, obviously what <laughs> everything Lucas did was like absolutely horrendous to an almost like fantastical degree. Right. Um, but people do do like really terrible things and they're they're like co-parents still have to sort of co-parent with them yeah exactly so. like you don't you don't get to cancel people from your life like as much as many of us would like to do. <laughs> yeah so it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds um and what i love about the trumans and the foxes and all of their storylines is that we always have kim for a bit of comic relief well, actually, talking of which, we got Kim uh, sat at the uh, the Albert um, chatting to, uh, is it Miele? Yeah, Miele, yeah. i got to get a name right. This is awful. <laughs> I've done it twice now. Miele, I need to spell it phonetically. But, um, but uh, yeah, what do you think of uh, Miele? Yeah, I was glad to see her back. Um, I mean, obviously, they like needed someone to replace Tina, which is, I guess, why they brought her in. Um, but, yeah, she's pretty entertaining. Definitely, definitely enjoyed having her around and enjoyed the dynamic between her and Kim as well. Right. Do you know, one thing that I've always wondered about the kind of introduction of, of characters, I think yeah. generally in soaps, like they need to have a link to someone, right? Yeah. Um, I would quite like it. And I don't know how this happens. I guess they, they have to introduce a whole family unit yeah. for it to work. Um, but um, maybe they could just introduce a single character who doesn't have any links and just builds links to the square. Do you think that's possible? I think it's possible. I think it's not often done well. And like a big problem at the moment is that, and this is not my thinking. I saw someone on Twitter talking about this. I can't remember who, so apologies for not referencing you. But um, a big problem at the moment is that like the family presence kind of isn't really there. Like so many of the big families have just been whittled down to like one or two sort of stray characters. Mm, and like right. some of these new kind of people they they bring in, they have not really taken the time to like, build build up their connections to other people on the square so i kind of i would like to see them bring in a character like mila and successfully kind of like work her way into like friendships and relationships but like right. i don't have a huge amount of hope they're going to do that 
And actually, one thing that I think has been missing from EastEnders for a while, and I think you'll you'll definitely agree with this, is you know we don't have that you know that E twenty bunch. So like yeah. when they did the spin off of like the young people, like all being friends with each other and and what have you. Um, that was like a real kind of golden era. Like those guys, I you know I think most of them probably weren't related and what have you, but like they felt like a kind of unit in and of themselves. Yeah, and there isn't that for people to kind of like jump in on like yeah. in the square like if there was like a bunch of like young people who kind of regularly hung out then like melee melee is it melee is it melee <laughs> what is wrong with me i've never heard Mila. the name melee i don't know what i'm doing um uh, i've never heard the name Mila to be honest either but um um but yeah she hasn't got that space in which to kind of jump into either yeah do you know what could work if is if they made her like best mates with dotty Right. And I think there is potential there of her, Dottie, Vinny, uh, maybe Peter as well, for yeah. that to be like a kind of modern E20. Yeah, that could work. And that would like kind of deal with some of the issues of a lot of those characters kind of being strays. Right, right. Give them a home, guys, with each other. <laughs> so Mila's come in to replace Tina, who mm. her family thinks she's still alive, right? Yeah, the Carters have got a shit ton to to deal with at the moment, right? Like you've got <laughs> difficult week Tina, for the Carters, right? Like you've got Tina disappearing, you've got Shirley like finding out about Katie. Yeah, um, like it's it's all it's all bloody going on for them. Yeah, really full on week, and I think it's a bit weird like having these two storylines like running alongside each other, like the abuse storyline with Mick, which I think has been like done so well with like such brilliant mm. actors and like really. Right just drawn out with like a lot of, a lot of depth and a lot of like um a lot of like drawing on the thing that we said we wanted more of which is like the relationships between people so like we got right. you know out of this abuse storyline we got so much of Mick and Linda we've got so much of like Mick and Shirley and that's really nice and even like Frankie and Katie as well and then rumbling along alongside it we've got this like really absurd murder storyline that like just no one knows what is happening with yeah, when you see like as you say those stories like knocking into each other side by side, like the contrast of as you say like the quality and the sensitivity in which one was done, yeah, versus like you know the kind of disrespect to like domestic violence storylines that the other has done, mm-hmm. like, yeah, um, and it's like yeah, you you you've got a real case studied here in in terms of how to do these stories well or not well. Yeah, definitely. It's a it's a bit of a funny one. I thought, you know, to take the good storyline, I thought some of the scenes with Shirley and Mick this week were just very emotional. Yeah, really lovely. And I'm glad they, you know, haven't let it rumble on like their conflict. And it's actually nice to see like the real tangible effect uh it has on Mick to be back with Linda with regards to like how strong he feels to like yeah deal with these situations like they're, they're not mentioning it directly but that's what i feel like why mick is like able to like i don't know he's got some of his strength back right yeah totally and like when he was really in like right in his trauma and he didn't have that support from linda he was kind of like craving this like motherly care from shirley right um which she wasn't really able to like she doesn't know exactly how to do that and i thought it's quite interesting this week to like now that he's got linda back he's able to like have so much empathy for Shirley that he can slip back into that role of actually supporting her. Like it didn't become this situation where like 
the mother comes in and is like, oh, I'm going to, I'm here for you. And like Mick gets that stabilization. It was the other way around. It was like Shirley, like was complete chaos, did a bunch of things that were really unhelpful, um, had a breakdown about what a terrible person she was, like made it all about herself. And then like Mick had so much strength and so much empathy that he was actually like able to be there for her. Right. And that's, and that's how their relationship functions. Like you can crave like something else from your relationships, but um, ultimately, like if you value them, then you kind of have to deal with them how they are, to be honest. So I think seeing kind of, yeah, Mick go through that, that period of like wanting something else from that relationship. Yeah. Uh, and surely like trying, but obviously completely floundering with yeah. regards to doing that. Um, and they've got back to a place where, yes, you might look at it and go like, oh, she should be more support- supportive or that dynamic is not like a, a normal one, but it, it's it's their dynamic and it's nice to see it when it works well. Yeah, I thought it was like really quite nuanced seeing that because I was kind of watching that scene with Shirley and I was like, God, Shirley, you're being such a narcissist about this. Right, uh, right. Such an inappropriate reaction. But yeah, I think you're right. Like it is, it's one of those like things that's kind of true to life and like that is often how people react and... It's not necessarily like, I don't know, it's not great, but it's also like quite understandable and people do just kind of deal with that sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm glad the Carters are like uh, coming back together again because soon they're going to find their sister slash daughter slash whatever it is wrapped in a carpet or whatever Yeah, it was. they need to be ready for that, don't they? Oh, my. <laughs> so what did you make of Evil Grey this week? You know, still, still, I have the same opinions. I don't know if I still don't know if he's a great actor or not. But but put that to one side. Um, and uh, I have literally no idea where this is going. <laughs> Me neither. Like, how how are they going to end this? Because now someone else has to figure him out as well. Like it was Tina who uncovered everything. She's dead. So like now we've got to have another detective on the square to figure it all out. Well, the, the obvious candidate is Karen, given that she's in his house yeah. a lot more now. I mean, is um, he going to kill Karen? For fuck's sake. <laughs> Maybe he's going to give Lucas a call to try and get some tips. <laughs> yeah, like Gray and Lucas will get together and start like a serial killer business in Gray's house. Where, oh my God. And they can get uh, Stuart and Rainey to, you know, store the bodies. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past EastEnders at this point. Don't do it, EastEnders. Don't no. do it anywhere. Let's see where that goes. Just to kind of finish up on the Carters, is there like anything more to say on like where we think the Katie storyline is going? Oh, I don't know. I think it's really interesting. Um, again, I thought they did it quite well in this thing. Of, well, Shirley called the police, which I didn't find all that believable. I was like, wow, Shirley's turning to the police for the first time in her life. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, and uh, Mick clearly isn't ready for that. Um, I still kind of wonder whether they're going to go down the route of what we thought originally where like Frankie will get the DNA test to prove it Um, and maybe they'll like eventually go to the police or something yeah and I and I at the moment I trust them to do it well so I haven't I haven't got like a preference as to like how it should play out but I, I generally trust like whoever's been writing it so far to to do something that is interesting uh, and does the kind of story justice yeah and maybe it'll be more of a short-term thing like maybe it doesn't go to into the criminal justice system but katie katie disappears like maybe she's the one who moves to australia and then like they can kind of get on with the storyline in the context of like mick working through everything that happened to him and building a relationship with frankie 
Well, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, and uh, let's keep an eye out for that. I think we have one more storyline left, and that's uh, Ruby's fake pregnancy. Ruby's fake pregnancy. So many fake pregnancies on the square, aren't there? Who's the other one? I don't know. I just feel like there's been a lot of fake pregnancies in the past. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, like, you know, who's the father, storylines, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot of that. Um, Yeah, so Ruby's really got herself into a bit of a tricky situation here. (laughs) Absolute disaster. You know, yeah. I don't know. And I guess... You know, we're we're seeing now how she try wants to try and get out of it. So she fancied a bit of like afternoon delight with with Martin when Kush yeah. was around. So you know, she's she's at a race against time to get pregnant pretty quickly. Yeah, it's uh, it's not going to be long as well because also she. But we saw on her like period tracker app thing that she's ovulating at the moment, which I would think that gives you a couple of weeks really until you have your period. So get on it. Get on it, literally. Got to get on it pretty quickly. Maybe she should get some tits from Suki. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I feel like quite predictably now Martin has come around to the idea of having a baby. So we're going to have the situation where he's like heartbroken by there being no baby. Yeah, I think there was an opportunity for Ruby and Martin to be a relationship that kind of stood the test of time. But uh, if they did break up now, I'd be fine with it. Yeah, I'd be fine with it. But I think we've got this underlying situation now as well of like Kush is living in the house. All three of them are kind of getting on. So at some point it's going to be revealed that like Ruby orchestrated the kidnapping of Arthur and it's going to not only ruin Ruby and Martin's relationship, but it's going to impact Kush and Martin's relationship. Yeah, which is really sad, right? Because that was such a solid friendship. And I would hate to think like Kush leaves with that in kind of tatters. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be really sad. Do you think, do you, but just before we, we kind of finish up on on that storyline, I kind of, I'm still a bit irritated that they've done a real number on, on Ruby. Yeah, I agree. I was really, um, I don't know, like I was really into Ruby's character when she first came on the square and for quite a while after she first came on the square, I was like really looking forward to what that was going to be like. I was also like really enjoying her friendship with Stacey. Um, yeah, they've really like turned it around to something quite like stereotypical bloody eastenders you need to fit characters uh to the storylines not just like you know ruin a character and because the problem with what they've done to ruby right now and i guess nobody's irredeemable in soapland like you know you've had a complete turnaround yeah, Stuart, of course. but like don't put characters in a position where like whether we have to kind of build them back up again as like you know likable characters because uh she's been awful so awful. And I think also, like, there's a similar problem to the problem with Dottie as well, is that, like, both of them are kind of potential, like, legacy characters, right? Mm-hmm. Ruby more so. Right. But they're both part of, like, in really big, important EastEnders families, and they should have, like, strong roots in the square. But what they've done to their characters has made them, like, burn all their bridges with, like, absolutely everyone they've got a connection with. So, like, then it's really hard to keep them around and make it believable. Right. I sometimes wonder when they're deciding on these characters, like who to give these kinds of storylines to, is it like, you know, they oh, actually, I was going to say like, do they not do it to like the characters who are more established? But then I guess what they've done to Sharon proves that that's not the case, but like, maybe just don't do it to anyone. Like maybe just like introduce characters who are bad and keep them bad. Like, yeah, I don't know. yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Or like, I guess like what they did to Martin and Martin's breaking bad phase is they kind of, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. They it was yeah. it was a bit silly, but like they built it up and there was reasons like he was stuck in a bind there and right. like they and then he went through a transformation, but they like maintained certain connections for him on the square. Like what they cleverly did during that situation was like, yes, he burned his bridges with like Stacy and some other people, but they like really anchored him in with Sonia and and Bex yeah, right. for that period of time. So it like made sense. Um, and also like Ruby's motivation, I think we talked about it last week, is I feel like not completely problematic, but like starts to border on problematic. Because really what her motivation is, is an early 30s broody woman. Like, and we're supposed to believe that that is such a big like factor for her that she's getting people beaten up and pretending to be pregnant. Right. She's gone from like this independent businesswoman who like hasn't really got time to prioritize a relationship to someone who's like absolutely risking everything just to cling on to this like one guy because she's so insecure. It's like, when did this happen? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't know if you they, they should never do a storyline like that. But I feel like if you're gonna do it, be bloody careful with it because um Definitely. Yeah, just just be careful. <laughs> I would like to see her at least build up like a genuine friendship with Kush and like those maybe the three of them to kind of like get into a rhythm or like have a nice dynamic before it all blows up. Well, let us see. Let us see what happens with that. But I think we uh, have wrapped up another another episode. So it's I time for our. I think we have. It's time for your jingle, Una. Hey Nav. Oh yeah. Hey Una. Who is your EastEnder of the week? Whoa, I'm really tempted for a laugh to pick Suki for that scene that I missed. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to do that because that would be lying. Uh, and I don't don't want to do that. So I am going to pick Cherie. Oh, yeah, Cherie. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? I think you you kind of summed it up really well like with regards to seeing uh how she kind of interacts with patrick really well and i think sometimes we we haven't seen that an awful lot so um nice to see that back on screen again and really pleased that patrick is sticking around so we can see more of sheree patrick and isaac together yeah definitely and also like hearing a bit more about sheree's background and like her having like nursed her ex-husband right. kind of through all of his difficulties and yeah it was it was nice to get that depth i really like her well, well done, EastEnders, and well done, whoever the actor is. We gotta, we gotta remember, we gotta find out her name. She's very good. Yeah, we should. Yeah, Google it for next week. Right, Una, who is your EastEnder of the week? Yeah, um, my EastEnder of the week is Jean. Absolutely, it's always Jean, and it should always be Jean. I thought I thought you were going to have the same one because I just feel like there's no competition this week. Cherie was excellent, but like, oh, Jean's just so brilliant like the scene of her and the doctors being like it's not my first rodeo <laughs> and then her like solo dancing at um dotty's party and her like wisdom advice giving and then her like filming her goodbye video i actually thought she was going to be starting like a video blog or something i thought it's it like is jean getting a tiktok account about her cancer journey Oh my God, please. Can you imagine? I would do all of her dance routines. <laughs> yeah. I would have enjoyed that storyline a little bit more, to be honest. Um, but yeah, maybe she's going back to her caravan, which I wouldn't be against, actually. I think the only concern thing that concerns me with regards to Jean's storyline is that we know Lacey Turner is definitely very close to leaving. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just, I, I would find it sad if like uh, she has to go through 
this kind of thing again without oh my god yeah please don't do that yeah yeah okay this is moving on to predictions but do it do it do (laughs) my prediction prediction for next week is i i don't think Jean has cancer i think she's going to get the all clear i think it's going to be benign yeah which i probably would be fine with except for the fact that they did all of those episodes all of what episodes well these episodes that we've had in the last week of her like you know, facing it with courage and, you know, <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. Like, because I don't think there was, I don't think we were supposed to get the sense of denialism from like her storyline. As you say, she had yeah. a lot of wisdom. There was a lot of kind of stoicism. There was a lot of kind of, you know, like, yeah, kind of taking a good approach. Like, I don't think anybody who gets a diagnosis should have to fight it in inverted commas. Like, yeah. if you want to, you know, if you, if you rationally kind of come to this decision, then yeah, I think, you know, she, that you know seeing her doing that would be you know her ending her life well on her terms but if her life is an ending i, I would be a little bit like it feels like a waste of good <laughs> scripts if you know what i mean yeah, but i just see it as like further gene like further blossoming like we've seen so much character development with her and so she's really kind of like come to a much more like peaceful place with her with herself and with her life and for me this is just like gene just going even further in like this journey of like happiness and enlightenment. Well, I hope you're right because I do not want to see, do not want to see Jean leave. I mean, also maybe it's just a character like having a little break. Maybe she's going to do a pre-cancer runner again, and they'll have to go and bring her back, and yeah, all of that. Fine, that'd be fine. I'd, I'd be cool with that. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Yeah. Have you got a prediction, Nav? Yeah, I guess you know it's not it's not groundbreaking, but. Um... I think we're going to see more of the, you know, Lucas and Chelsea storyline develop. Uh, and my prediction for it is um, that whatever the kind of, you know, endeavor, like criminal endeavor that she's uh, planning um, will actually like happen. We'll, we'll actually see it and, and Lucas will be involved. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll be up for a bit yeah. of, Bit of drama, hopefully not heist again. It probably will be a heist, won't it? Do you think it's going to like somehow involve Phil Mitchell? It's going to involve Phil Mitchell. It's going to involve Kush doing a getaway car. <laughs> it's going to involve Ben hiding a gun in a pillowcase in a very obvious place, um, which uh, echoes the original heist we had in 2020 at the start. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot uh, about that heist. Uh, yeah, so many heists. So um, uh. yeah, let's do a greatest hits of all the heists. Yeah. All right. Looking forward to next week. Uh, if you've got like thoughts on our thoughts, you can tweet us at Get Out of My Pod. Um, have, you, have you checked the inbox, Huda? Yeah, we have zero emails. <laughs> um, but if you do want to email us, it is getoutofmypod <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> email us. Send us long emails. I'm up for reading a long email. Do it. Tune in next week, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.